Welcome to the Schneps Connects podcast. We have a great story for you today and talk about a great organization. Gail Green, the longtime New York Magazine restaurant critic and legendary cookbook author and teacher Jane Beard's desire to help those in need back in 1981, helped establish a nonprofit organization that through today has served over 63 million meals to New Yorkers in need. That early initiative helped create what today is City Meals on Wheels under the current leadership of Beth Shapiro, who is its executive director. Beth and I first met when our food and drink festival, the World's Fair, hosted our first annual event at City Field, and we had City Meals on Wheels as our charity recipient. Having Beth share with me the story of what City Meals on Wheels does, how we and others can help what is a massive number of people that are food insecure in this city. And according to the mayor's office, it could reach 2.2 million New Yorkers during the pandemic that are food insecure. So I'm excited to have her on the show today to share with us and you all the great things that they do for the people of this city and how you can help. So welcome, Beth. Gosh, thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you here. So I would love to start off with having you share City Meals on Wheels' story and particularly your mission and how the organization serves the community. Sure. I mean, you mentioned Gail Green and James Beard as our founders. Almost 40 years ago, they read an article in the paper about older New Yorkers going four days without food because of the Thanksgiving holiday when the city closes. They rallied their friends, raised enough money, called the city and said, we'll do the next holiday. That was Christmas. And really from that was born, as you said, City Meals on Wheels. And we provide weekend, holiday, and emergency meals to homebound elderly New Yorkers, people 60 and older, too frail to shop or cook for themselves. Obviously, in our current situation with the pandemic, those numbers are rising constantly. And we're serving the most vulnerable among us, people who help build this city, I like to say, for you and I, but have just outlived their ability to care for themselves by cooking or shopping for themselves. You know, we had talked about this, but I feel like a lot of people's perceptions are that those in need of food or that are hungry are the homeless and not necessarily the senior citizens living in New York City, you know, in the heart of Manhattan and each of the boroughs. So can you talk a little bit about those needs of seniors particularly? Sure. You know, we're looking at older New Yorkers who are living far longer than they had ever anticipated. City Meals is nourishing over 200 people who are 100 years old or older. But even people 80 and 90 years old have outlived often their savings. They've outlived friends, family, often even their own children to help care for them. And it isn't Um, You know, the people we're nourishing, as you said, aren't homeless and on the street. They're in your building behind the doors that you don't ever see open. They have been um, productive. They've been teachers and nurses and firemen. We found a woman who a woman who rode elephants and ringling brothers. You know, they've had a full life, but have now outlived their savings or their physical abilities to shop and cook for themselves. Before the pandemic, one in 10 older New Yorkers was food insecure. They were hungry. That's a scary statistic. 
it's a scary statistic and it's worse. I read this morning that now they're saying one in five older New Yorkers is relying on emergency food. So either going to a food pantry, food bank, et cetera. And for us, the people that we're nourishing aren't even able-bodied enough to get out to go to a pantry. So we make sure a meal comes to their doors every day. You know, one of the things that touched me about the organization was not only that you're delivering meals, but really that one you're one of the few touch points, human touch points for these seniors. And I think one of the things we kind of forget about with the pandemic is the isolation, right? It's not just the economic impact, but the isolation that it's caused all of us, um, particularly with these mandated quarantines, or, you know, I would assume that people that are seniors that are most at risk are, are really isolating themselves a lot. So if you could speak to that, I think it's really critical for people to understand how important a service that is alone. I think you're exactly right. You know, I think we all have a new sense of what isolation is and how it can make us feel and the disconnection with the outside world. And we're seeing larger numbers of seniors isolating. They are most vulnerable. They are wanting to, to, to stay safe, so can't even get to a grocery store, walk you know, to the corner to pick up things if they had been able to before the pandemic. And part of what City Meals does is that delivery, right? It's the knock on the door. And now because of COVID, it is, you know, we're not going in. Our staff and volunteers are not going in, but it's still the knock on the door, hanging the meal on the door handle, doorknob, and making sure the older person is there and well, and just has some connectivity to the outside world because social isolation can lead to loneliness, depression, poor nutrition, which then of course is poor health all around. You know, could you just walk us through, it really is huge numbers uh, that you're serving, really how it's executed, because it's one thing to, to have a mission, but it's another thing to really execute it as an organization and keep all the wheels turning. Yes, we partner with 30 meal centers around the city, senior centers, other CBOs, and help them and leverage them and their systems in place to prepare and deliver meals. There are staff cooks and staff deliverers. We also rely on over 20,000 volunteers a year to help us get meals out all around the city. We're in all five boroughs, every neighborhood you can think of. In addition to that, we have our emergency meal distribution center in the Bronx. And I know, Josh, you and the Schnepps family were up there almost a year ago, I think, yes. to help pack meals. And those are shelf-stable meals. That has been our core hub during this emergency of getting shelf-stable meals out that can sit on the cupboard, sit in the cupboard, sit on someone's shelf, and make sure there's food on hand during this scary time. Well, you know, that was um, a great uh, thing for us to do, but it was also great team building. So organizations can reach out to Beth and they can basically sponsor their organizations to come by and donate their time to support the, the help that they need. In our case, it was packing meals. So talk about volunteers, because I have to imagine it's, it's A, you need a lot of them now during the pandemic, 
but B, it might be more difficult. So I don't know if you can give insight into how it's been getting volunteers to, to work during the pandemic. It has been um, both difficult and very rewarding and surprising how many people have come out even since the beginning at, from the get-go out at the emergency meal distribution center we had 20 to 40 volunteers every day packing meals and we actually ended that within early mid mid-march because realizing we needed to really stay safe and keep people socially isolated. But throughout the pandemic, we have had over 7,000 volunteers delivering meals, packing meals, bringing them out. Everyday New Yorkers just rolling up their sleeves to help their neighbors and coming out, whether you know one time or many who've just come week after week, day after day to help get meals to older New Yorkers who need them. You know, a lot of times at a crisis can come some good things. And I know that you've been the executive director since September 2011 and helped to prepare the organization after Sandy, the Hurricane Sandy, to make sure that there were emergency meals available. So I guess it was really a learning curve that when these tragedies happen, you know, how can you step in immediately? So I would love for you to speak to what you learned from that experience and how it potentially helped you prepare for what's happening now. There were learnings after Sandy, and honestly, there continue to be learnings until today. And after Hurricane Sandy, we really understood the need to be able to act very quickly at a large scale. We had dealt with 9-11. We, we deal with emergencies on you know power outages, snowstorms, et cetera, but they're typically shorter duration and more isolated. Even Sandy did not hit the whole city. But what we knew after Sandy was that we needed more space and we needed to have the staff and infrastructure to move on a dime. And we were preparing for COVID at the end of January and February, where we began ramping up our, our inventory at the emergency meal distribution center. By end of February, early March, we doubled our staff up there and then put them on weeks and off weeks so that we could isolate should there be any kind of infection, contact with the virus. And really it has been the understanding of Sandy, knowing what we needed to plan for. And honestly, as I said, continual learnings to this day to really understand the size and scope of what this is and, and being able to have enough food on hand and systems in place, including volunteers, to get meals out. So I feel that a lot of these emergency food programs were intended to be temporary, but the demand has simply gone up so much. Is the capacity able to meet the needs right now of the elder? I mean, those statistics you gave were so mind-blowing. It seems like there would be never enough. Yeah, I think the need is immense. And I think the city needs to address that on a very large scale. And and be able to understand those of us in the hunger world to be able to capitalize on the expertise that we have and the systems that we have. I mean, as I said, we partner with 30 meal centers around the city. Each of them has, has a network in place to get out in their neighborhoods and beyond to deliver meals. And being able to understand that and leverage that and fund it when possible and when needed, 
um, at increased numbers to answer the demand. It is possible. It's challenging, but it is possible. I'm sure volunteers are always needed, but at the end of the day, I'm sure it's about donations and and driving financial support. So how can you know New Yorkers, those listening now, how can they help? Where can they help? And you know, go to to chip in. And you know, what are the different options available to people that want to help? Sure. It's very easy to get information about City Meals and how to support us on our website. It's citymeals.org. Right on the home page, you can click to make a donation. And I think the most important thing to know about a donate about donating to City Meals is that we guarantee 100% of every penny from the general public will go to meal preparation and delivery. So you know that every $8, every $100, every 10,000, if you can do it, will deliver meals to older New Yorkers. There's also information on our website to volunteer, to get information to, to attend a volunteer training session. And very important, we also have a link to get meals. So if you are an older person or you know of someone that needs home delivered meals, you can get information right on our website to get that started. You know, obviously you've learned a lot through this, through Sandy. What are some of the lessons you could share with our listeners that you've learned during this time? You're running such a large and important organization. So we have delivered almost 2 million meals since the pandemic started. Wow. I <laughs> 800,000 of those are emergency meals. So I think it's important to know that our regular deliveries never stopped. And we could not do it or any anything that we do without the support of everyday New Yorkers, but also with our partners, right? I, I think those people who have recognized the need, who are essential workers, who have stepped up and done what they needed to do in their neighborhoods, think people need to understand they need to collaborate. They need to open their minds and think a little bit outside of their norms to get things done. In the, in the very beginning of the pandemic, we needed trucks and delivery people at a scope that we didn't have. And I thought, oh, who's going to help us with this? Called another nonprofit. And they said, oh, we don't. But on Sunday, we have two trucks and two drivers. There they were at our warehouse helping us out in the middle of their own crisis. And we have done the same. And that's really what it's about. It's just taking off your lenses for a minute and realizing how much a little bit of help can do for someone else. Well, it goes to show you if anyone wants to help, there's many different ways in which they can accept your help. Well, Beth, thank you so much for all that you do, all the organization does to help so many people that are in need. Thank you, Josh. Thanks for shining a light, for giving us a platform to share what we do. Well, it's an important story for everyone to know and, and hopefully support in any way that they can. Thank you. Thank you. Make sure to check out a new episode of Schneps Connects every week, wherever you get your podcasts, or stream us online at podcast.schnepsmedia.com. Mm-hmm.